Welcome to Strange Currencies. I am Matt. I am Glenn. How are you doing, Matt? All right. All right. I, I'm trying to breathe my way through the the baseball postseason as we near the end. And you know, uh, we don't we don't want people to hate us. We don't. Um, so we once won't, they find we won't out what about that. what team you're a uh, fan of. Uh, well, that's okay. We give each other a hard time plenty enough yeah. as it is. So. Um, yeah, hey, it's, um, I, I had before, well, before we get into this, we need to do, uh, we need to do our listener update because things are you jumped right in. I that. did jump right into it because I, we, I just went and played cause I had to remind myself h- how many we have over 600 million listens mm-hmm. at this point. And I'm feeling the pressure start to well up cause yeah. You know, that's a lot of people. That's like, you know, I can't even wrap my head around how many 600 million people is. It's a lot. So what, what was our listener total last time? We're doing, we're starting off with a listener update. 600. We need, we need a theme song for listener update. If we're going to do it every time. Oh, we need we that. We need some sort of a theme All right, we'll song. work on that. Yeah. We'll work on that. All right, 618 million, I believe. Million. And now, as of this moment, right now, 680. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, wow. Hey, you know who would really benefit from that 680 million listeners? Who? Fucking Freem. Freem would. Freem. Freem. But you know what? I'm not drinking Freem right now. Mm. This is partially in protest and partially because <laughs> not protest. It's delicious. Well, yeah. What are you drinking there? A Owen? Breakside Wanderjack IPA. Ah, uh, yeah. Hat tip. Uh, Nick Bert, Bert, Bert. Hat, tip, here. hat tip Bert for this recommendation. This mm. is delicious. Yeah, I Breakside. have really been enjoying. So this is actually a combo effort from Breakside and Barley Brown. Oh, okay. So uh, you've heard of Pallet Jack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a Barley Brown. Okay. And then Wanderlust is a Breakside. Okay, right, right. So you combine those Wander two Jack. and you get Wander Jack. It is fantastic. It's delicious, right? Even, this even, is a this is a freaking great beer. Even the dented can is still delicious. Yeah, that one got dropped in the street. <laughs> it's it's delicious. Not still. by me. Right, well, I didn't slow, drop it. I had a slow open there. I didn't drop it. But no, hey, um I Freem, feel, Freem dropped the ball. Freem dropped the ball. Freem. Although I did just pick up uh, another six pack of Freem. Um, yeah, oh, for my know, weekly. It, it, it's ration. a good beer. Uh, I'm gonna even say adequate. Mm-hmm. It's actually really pretty that's, good. That's messed up, dude. But hey, <laughs> look, we've left this dangling out here. We know you're listening, Freem. Well, as soon we, as we, we, wait, we want shirts. Like we established shirts. that last time, we want shirts. Yeah. A sticker would be nice. Maybe a six maybe, pack here. I don't know, a little something. Maybe throw a little bit of record money our way. Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe maybe Brian Wilson, since he listens, he can throw in a good word for Brian us. Wilson listens now. Well, yeah, sure. Six hundred and eighty million. Did you see Brian just uh, announced a new a new pian- solo piano album. Ooh, okay. It's called At My Piano. Hmm. I love the cover of it. For is those of you who that- have not, is he uh, sitting in it. sand? Is there no, sand? No, he's not. Okay. It's just a picture of. of Brian Wilson, as he, we know and love him, he's <laughs> good just, old Brian. You just want to get my bear hug. You're just like, sitting at the. I love this guy. He's oh, adorable. Okay. Look it up. Look up the. Right. While while I sit while you look mm-hmm. that up, I'll talk. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Brian no, really Wilson nervous. at the piano. Yeah, at my piano. At my, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, 
this is riveting podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Isn't that great? Oh, he's like, he's just. You just want to give him a bear hug, I right? do. He's like, oh. Love that man. I love it. Yep. I love it. You know, that kind of, look at, check out my little, little lapel sweater here. I'm kind of. Rocking a Brian Wilson vibe. Yeah, you don't oh. give yourself that much okay. credit. All right, sorry. We, Brian, love, we love you, Brian. Uh, we love you, Brian. Uh, and you know who we hate? <laughs> mm-hmm. Fucking Mike Love. Mike Love. Yeah, all right, all right. Screw that we need guy. to. We need to come. Uh, I think this needs to be a recurring thing. It kind of is, but like every album or every topic of discussion, somehow it's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. We need to somehow find a connection. Just so we can crap on Mike Love. Well, you know what? Sounds like it's time for an episode of Heroes and Villains. All right, let's do I've it. I've been in this town so long that back in the city I've been taken for a lost and gone and I've known for a long, long time. Fell in love years ago with an innocent girl from the Spanish and Indian home of the Heroes and all right, we're talking heroes and villains right now, where we discuss both the heroes and the villains of whatever it is we're talking about. And this episode is about... Um, we're going to talk about jazz. We're going to talk about jazz. We're talking about jazz, but... How are you going to make a villain out of Mike Love when we're talking about jazz? We're going to have to we, we find it. We weren't talking it. about jazz yet. We were talking about Brian Wilson's new... So you're newly gonna... announced album at my piano. Well, I, I thought you were going to throw Freem under the bus. Is this early? No. Uh, you know, look... Give us our shirts. Make, make us feel somewhat important here. Here we are, a podcast with, with a mere 680 million listeners. Uh-huh. Just pretend like we matter, friend. Drop, drop, just, us, drop us a bone. All you got to do is just send us a couple of t-shirts. Okay. You know. Have you listened to Brian Wilson's At My Piano? I So he uh, released um, just a, like you could stream the... First track, which is a, and it's all instrumental, by oh, the way. Oh, God only knows. Uh, God only knows. Yeah, it's great. You know, okay. I mean, it's like you're going to mess that song yeah, up, right, right? right? Yeah, no, you know, I, I think I'll probably get it when it comes out. I don't think it comes out for a little while, but, uh, you know, look, you see that picture. In I just want to put that store. on my wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you see that and you're like, all right, <laughs> this is worth my 20 bucks just so I can pull this thing out and, and just say, you know what? The world can't be all bad if uh-huh. this, if this exists. wonderful, wonderful man has, has just <laughs> blessed us with so much great music. And look at the track list. It's great. There's like a Smile Bendley in there. And yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll get that shit. All right. And um, then... So, so, hey, hero, Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. Because always. We love the guy. Always. And the villain uh, of this episode? Mike Love. Mike Love. Because yeah. fuck Mike Love. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that was a good episode. That was yeah, great episode. Wrap it up, uh, six hundred and seven hundred and eighty million now. Oh no, man. that was a big wow. These things are happening fast here. Freem, you better get in on that. Hey, shit. do we have any corrections from last episode before we get into it? Because really. we really are going to talk about jazz, mm-hmm. um, and I'm excited to do this because I think we're gonna. Um, we're going to give a little smorgasbord. I'm not going to lie. I didn't go back and listen to the last episode in time to really go through it with a fine tooth comb. Somebody, I'm sure perhaps our guest, Remy, might have have told me, well, Remy said that, uh, there were a few like really, really minor details of 
the recounting of the <clears throat> sorry Charles Manson oh. Dennis Wilson story that were slightly not a hundred percent accurate, but eh. it was close enough. It was all in good. Spirit. It was the Tarantino version yeah. of retelling. Yeah, so yeah, so we're good. No, yeah. I, that was another yet another flawless. Another episode. another flawless. Episode. Although we stepped on each other's toes a lot. Well, it's because Remy was here. It was a first timer. Yeah, first so he's, he's a rookie. He yeah. did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm excited. We need to find another episode for Remy to. We're going to make that happen you know, at some point, I'm sure. Yep. All right. So, uh, Glenn, what are we talking about this time? Um, we are, we are, ta- well, basically, I wanted to, I wanted to do another episode of the replacing series. I think we're working on that. We have we the got thing is some we've coming. Es- we've established that Tim is kind of like a right, right. critical element of that. Well, and I wanted to. I I was trying to be a little cheeky and say we should replace we should replace Miles Davis kind of blue. Yeah. Um, but like the album's too good. You can't you can't not acknowledge yeah. the greatness of it. But I thought like this would be a good opportunity for us to talk about. Sure. So so people. All 680 million, or no, mm-hmm. sorry, Glenn just said 780 Well, million. by now, probably. probably yeah. Glenn, yeah, wanted to title this episode Replacing Kind of Blue, which well, because is just preposterous. It is absurd, of course. You're not going to replace it because it's, it's quintessential. But, like, that's the thing, is if somebody is out there and is like, I only have one jazz album, it's going to be kind of blue. That's Probably like the blue. album that if if you don't own any jazz and you own one album, it's kind of blue. Yep. And so, you know, some people just get stuck there and like, ah, this is my token jazz album. I'll put this on when I got the boys over to crack one open. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and so one. so I was like, well, hey, let's offer our, you know, humble listeners uh, uh, some some more to go with. And then we're like, well... You know, maybe maybe we should set a ground level. Yeah, that's not really in the spirit of replacing. So replacing right. was, was referred to by a dear friend of the show. <laughs> dear friend of the show. And, and an actual, you know, guest on the, the Strange Currencies podcast, um, Matt. I don't know if we, we indicated his last name. Not me, no. Matt, but the other, the other Matt. Matt. Right, yeah. right, right. He referred to the the concept, although he's enjoyed those episodes, he referred to the concept as somewhat condescending. It is. It does sound a little bit... Hey. We've replaced down. Fleetwood Mac, which we will make people's lives better for getting Fleetwood Mac uh, out of it. Okay. We replaced okay. the doors right. in the sense that, you know, all right, if you like this, fine, whatever. We're not going to give you too hard of a time, but here's some things you might want to listen to. We took a really similar kind of spirit with our with our last one as well, too. With Queen, we didn't yeah. like despise Queen or anything. We just said, hey, if you're a part of that that club that considers Queen to be in your inner circle, here's how you can expand that circle just a little bit. And I was taking I know, it to I the know, next level of that. Yeah, but right. kind of blue. So so here's we're gonna you don't replace you kind don't. of blue. You, you buy don't. additional copies of kind of correct, blue. Correct. So like, here's what we're gonna do. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we are going to kind of lay a foundation, a a 101, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that kind of premise when we come back, a little little 101. On the Strange Currencies podcast. Hey, love that royalty free music. Mm, royalty free music. 
Mm, we're going to have to, at some point, we're going to have to, you know, give hat tips to our um, theme music or something. Mm, maybe. Um, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah. Well, hey, we are talking a little 101 inspired by Miles. Day. Well, uh, uh, have you seen um, uh, the Netflix special, The Birth of the Cool? No. There is, uh, there is, it's out on Netflix, I'm sure. Um, you know, if you've scrolled a on it, you've seen it. It's, it's this charming. Is this Netflix thing what is this Netflix of, you speak of? Um, it, it's, is that, it is that where you like, a couple years ago, no. you send them a letter and then a few weeks later they send you a few DVDs? Uh-huh, something like that. Nice. Um, it's a good business. Model. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good, um, pretty good documentary. Get you, get you going nice. It's got the words of, of Miles Davis in there, some fun anecdotes, uh, but it got me, it got me, you know, kind of diving back into, to miles. Yeah. Um, and so I, I thought, I thought, okay, we need to do a bit of a, a one-on-one, the strange currencies music podcast listenership is let's be honest. We're a little bit more on the pop side. Yeah. Well, and, uh, listenership, which by the way, we've established, 680 million. It's a lot people. of people. So and there's a lot of variety. And that 680 million, by the way, we've found out does not even include my mom or my or dad. Your dad. Yeah. So Which we have I potential. I was thinking about that earlier. Like, we should probably arrange a chance for your dad and my mom to hang out and not listen to our podcast <gasps> together because oh, they be seem cool. to have that in common. Yeah, like that's the one thing. Enjoying not listening to our podcast because we could have 681 million and two. Yeah. What, uh-huh. what about no? They wouldn't listen to it. Oh right. Yeah no. They would. They would not listen to it together. Because <laughs> uh, what about does your mom listen to it? Uh, she hasn't either. Yeah, my dad uh, hasn't either. So okay. really, our our parents, our parents should, we should get together. We should set up a a double date double for date. our parents mm-hmm. to not listen not to our listen podcast to our pod- together. Yeah. So sad. We're having like repressed childhood. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, can we get into can we get into music, please? Yeah, although you were talking about that, and like I I have these vividly like bad memories of my parents coming and like hanging out outside of the club where my band was playing. We were playing like these punk rock shows when I was a junior in high school. My parents were like hanging out in the suburban outside, like listening with the windows. Don't let them know that we're here. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Par- but now they won't even listen to my freaking podcast because, you know, that takes a lot of effort. So or do they listen to jazz? Are they like, is that your connection to jazz? Have you gotten into jazz uh, via your parents? No, no. See, I haven't either. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get a lot of, I don't get a lot of my music, you know, passion from, from my parents. So it's well, kind of weird. My, my dad, you know, has decent taste in music for a dad, you know, who's like 70, but Jazz was never his thing. So hmm. to me, like jazz was something I had to discover. I won't totally say on my own. I, I at least had a couple friends who helped oh, yeah, yeah. me in this direction. But uh, but yeah, no, this was not something I grew up with. Yeah. And so so I was thinking, as you said, you know, again, people we came Glenn came, comes to me, all right. He sends me a text. He's like, Hey, got an idea for the next podcast, call me. <laughs> so I call him, like I'm in the middle of eating my lunch, you know, but <laughs> Replace. all right. So, so I call him and he's like, replacing kind of blue. And I'm like, you're, fuck that. You're an idiot. I hung up on him. I threw the phone, like whatever. So then he like comes and finds me like in person. And he's like, no, we got a replaced kind of blue. And I'm like, no, still fuck that. It, it is. It's the foundation. We agreed upon uh, a modified okay, version premise. Of, right, 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 okay? right. And essentially the idea was. 
we're going to augment Kind of Blue because we assume that if you're getting into jazz that you've probably heard kind of like if you as Glenn said earlier, if you have one jazz album, it's probably Kind of Blue. Yeah. And it, or it so, should be if you yeah, have one album. So we thought, all right, as Glenn alluded to earlier, I think our podcast so far, our writing so far on the website is kind of skewed more towards the pop rock For sure. realm. Right. So let's start to have a conversation with jazz. Yeah. Right. Like our listeners, we know we have some listeners. I'm look. Your podcast has got 680 million people. Dude, there's some jazz be, fans. There's going to be some jazz right? fans I mean, out there. Right? Sure. And if not, there should be. Well, 680 not, million, Glenn? <laughs> Come on. There's got to be at least a few jazz fans and, in there. And, and here's the thing. Uh, we're not uh, – you've got a healthy jazz collection. I'm not a I'm not a huge like you know connoisseur no. to a certain He's extent. Not. I am I am a visitor as well, but I think this exercise is is beneficial for uh, people who maybe mainstream in the pop realms mm-hmm. and are wanting to expand a little bit. Yeah, and so if you're, if you're into the pops, how do you get into the jazz? If or if you're into the pops, how do you get into the bops? Oh. No, just crickets. I was, I was yeah. like, pop, pop, pop. There's so many I'm, bops. I'm adding cricket effects. In uh, right okay. Now. I even have uh, okay. So here, so here's the thing. I I was looking at our initial like quintessentials. If you're getting into jazz, what are the what's the 101? What's the base level that like? Come on, this is this. You have to do this. These are the basics, and I think. I think we came up with a consensus five that we agree with at least. Yeah, there, there were a couple that were really easy, and then there were a few well, where yeah, we had like some conversation of, of some some things to consider. But essentially, yes, the premise here is these are our one hundred ones. These are like your entry level one hundred one. Like if you are just really dabbling in in jazz for the very first time, as I was probably around the age of twenty four, twenty five or so, and. A podcast like yep. this, I would say, might have been kind of helpful for me. Sure, sure. And um, sh- or as certainly. Glenn is right now, just, you know. Hey. All right, well, fine. Well, You're maybe a little bit beyond 101. <laughs> but I, I, It's not like I have a bachelor's degree or anything, but yeah. I, I will say I, um, I have been through the remedial courses. Let's let's put it at that. Like I've, you know, yeah, there's yeah, there are enough. probably more remedial entries in, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you maybe you picked up on, you know, Joni Mitchell's you know, Mingus album covering, you know, don't, her covering. Don't me. start there. <laughs> but, that's but, not the best introduction that's to what jazz I'm saying. or Joni Mitchell. That's what I'm saying. If you, if, if you have come upon jazz in any variety of ways, you know, sure, whatever. Well, this hey, right here. Go. Let's, before we get in then, what was it that first made you curious about jazz, Glenn? Um, because I think that might be helpful to our, to our listeners. Sure. I, I mean, I want to say in the late 90s, like, so like, um, like just around, yeah, college age, that was like, there was that, that new wave of, of swing mm. that was coming. And there was like, you know, a lot of ska, like punk ska. That's not jazz. That's not jazz. No. But I'm saying that, li- that, that, that was the kind of stuff that was happening in clubs and in, in venues around. And so I think I found myself going into like, um, seeking out live swing music and live jazz beyond that. And so I think I started with like big band and, and moved out from there. And I want to say I picked up kind of blue, I think, Hmm. um, that I think that probably was my very first, lots of Duke Ellington. I was listening to Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong, a lot of that, 
a lot of that early, earlier stuff. Okay. And I, I have to say, I, I'm like really, you know, loving the the vision of young Glenn mm-hmm. in the swing gloves. Oh so, yeah, watch out. Uh, yeah, watch mamas, out. lock your daughters up. Young Glenn's on the town. <laughs> no, but like I, I with would, that bowl cut that we talked about in the 1996 <laughs> episode. I I was really I was really appreciative of of live music, mm-hmm. and so I think that was that was the the opening for me, okay. like to be able to see interplay in live musicians, and so I think that's that was what kind of hooked me. Okay. And go into it, you know, go into a coffee house or, you know, whatever, where there was a live, mm-hmm. live trio or something like that going on. And I was kind of into that. Yeah. And that got me, that got me kind of started from there. All how right. about, how about yourself? Um, so I ended up with a burned CD copy of Kind of Blue, probably when I was about 18 or 19. Mm, okay. And it was just sort of one of those things, like my older brother had, you know, somebody had burned him a copy. So then I burned a copy of that and it was like. Well, you know, there's certain records that need to be in your collection, right? Right, so right, right? I don't know that I ever really listened to it a whole lot back then. I think the thing that really got me into like curious about jazz was I kept hearing the same name over and over and over again mm-hmm. in reference to Radiohead, like because you know this was probably around the time that uh, Kid A came out in the national anthem, mm-hmm. and then REM had a reference to this particular uh, artist as well too on their reveal album. Hmm. That name. Mingus. I kept mm-hmm. hearing it over and over mm-hmm. again. It's like, all right, Mingus, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to check. You know, I, I don't know. That just sort of lit this thing, like mm-hmm. this curiosity about Mingus because it, it was weird. I kept hearing it. Well, the horns in the national anthem are very reminiscent of Charles Mingus. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. Okay. Well, this, Let's this check that out. So, so for me, like, and it really took a couple of years, I think, to dive in because there was still a world of pop music for me to be discovering at the age of 21, 22 or whatever. But once I had, I I feel like, you know, gotten those fundamentals, that name Mingus is just sort of right where I dove into. And that, that hooked me. And we'll talk a little bit more about this as we get into our five. We've already sort of tipped our hat that, uh, that, you know, kind of blue is one of them, but I think we might have a Mingus album in here Mm -hmm, too. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, that's, that's, Brief, quick yeah, stories and, about how and we both I think, came to jazz. And I think, I think part of that, too, is, you know, it's not been a secret. We kind of fancy ourselves musicians as well. And so, I, you know, I picked up uh, as a I play, I played bass like through college and stuff. And I picked up just total hack, picked up an upright bass just mm-hmm. because I liked the vibe of of uh, of just a club, you know, club jazz playing. Or whatever. There are few cooler instruments than an upright bass. And I went to Stein. I'd say two. What are those two instruments that are better than an upright bass, Glenn? Better than only a mellotron. A mellotron is one. Um, You're looking at one right now. I, eh? I, yeah. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. The other one cool. I don't have, but cool. you and I both really like this other instrument. Cooler than a mellotron. Uh, uh, oh, like a vibraphone. A vibraphone. Yeah. Right? I mean, talk about. Mm-hmm. That is pretty bass, cool. Vibraphone and a mellotron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. That, right? ah, something yeah. needs to happen there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I picked up, I picked up an upright bass from Stein on Vine. Okay. Uh, is like this downtown Hollywood on Vine, the corner of Vine and 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 uh, Sunset there. Yeah. Um, and picked that up, and the guy's like, "Here, if you want like an introduction." give this guy a call. I took some private lessons from this guy and he started handing me like this Ray Brown album, this like 
he's like, you got to check out Scott LaFaro. And so that's kind of where I started um, discovering, of course, you know, Mingus came through that and, and just looking at double bass, you know, upright, great upright bass players. And Mm so I think that was kind of, you know, that idea of like, Oh, how can somebody make this? And of course I've never really played jazz <laughs> like i can't i'm not uh, you have to be really good like you can you can like fake it as a stupid good. as a rock musician yeah but no uh-uh. if, if you don't have as they say the chops as a jazz musician no, then nothing yeah, no nope. so okay so then let's let's circle around then let's talk about these five if we're gonna set up a 101 mm-hmm. uh these are the five that hopefully our our um listeners are familiar with already well some will be and some won't and you so know, maybe yeah maybe as, you'll find as, one Mr. You know Matt too said mm-hmm. we don't want to be condescending. No, we, we might have somebody who's listening to this who doesn't like. What are they talking about? Kind of blue, and we're speaking to that person right now. Like, hey, you you yes. found strange currencies for some reason. You know, maybe you were reading some of the writing that we were doing about uh, I don't know Brazil or sure. girl groups or sound or something like that. And now here you are, like, all right, it's these, time. These guys are, have something interesting to say about music. Now, if you're curious about jazz, what we are going to do for you is say, hey, here's five records. Yep. We're not authoritative here. We're We're not We're just saying, here's five records that we think you might, you know, that might help you get into jazz. Perhaps someone with a pop background, these are some good gateways. Now, as, you know, they they call them the jazz holes out there who Mm -hmm. who are looking at this and hearing this. They're going to be like, oh, you guys are so basic. Right. You know, like. Well, and so that's the premise of this. This is basic. That's what we're talking. We're speaking to the newies. Yeah. The newcomers. Well, and, but here's the other thing, though. Even with these are basic, I think this can help us set a groundwork and maybe there's more to come from here if this is 101 what might a 200 level be well absolutely you know one of of the themes that we've kicked around because uh we've been doing theme months here at at strange currencies and i thought about you know a blue note theme would be good none of our five albums come from the blue note label which blue note is great Mm -hmm. i mean even if you only liked album covers blue note would be a fantastic label for you but you know, maybe it makes sense for us to ease Ooh. some of our. Uh, we could do a one hundred and one like, blue note into just. just okay, wait, we're not doing that yet. We're all, right, all right, we're doing this. Okay, yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. So the thought was, hey, let let's ease some of our maybe jazz beginners into okay. uh, a basic vocabulary. All right, there we go. Like Here are, are five records. We decided on five because that's yep. a good number. Yeah, it's round. Five. It's not round at all. Oh, yeah, that's no, like it's it, not a okay. round number. It's not even an even number. Yeah, look, we need to take a break. We do, and when Glenn we, clearly needs some sort of a, a remedial math course, and so when he's going to take that, I'm going to take we'll that online back. course, and we'll be back to talk kind of blue. Jazz. We're gonna you didn't start. Even welcome our listeners back. You didn't tell them how your remedial class went. My remedial class was wonderful. I'm an expert now. Uh, well, well, 
Pass the remedial class. I learned how to add. So, all right. So now there's my disclaimer. Here's what I've learned in my remedial course. I am not an expert Mm -hmm. by any means. And five is and five is not a round number, Mm -hmm. but there's something about odd numbers that are satisfying Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. intriguing. Okay. So, and and I will admit some of these five, some of these five are still there are elements about them that are challenging to me. Uh, and so there are some hundred level courses that are still, I, I, I can't just breeze through it. I, I still am digesting. And I, I will say that, um, we're not going to try and like comprehensively cover kind of blue, um, by my miles Davis, but this is like kind of the banner album. And so, um, I almost don't even. So for those of you who are, are new to this whole thing, we are uh, we're hearing So What, uh, the lead-off track from Miles Davis's 1959 masterpiece, Kind of Blue, which we've already alluded to, this whole idea that if you have one jazz album, this is the one. Pretty good chance. It sounds like that was maybe your first, Glenn. It was my first jazz album. Yep. It's probably a lot of people's first jazz album, and for good reason. See, this right here. Paul Chambers, just even just that bass line yeah. is just captivating. It's it's a jam right there, and you can just enjoy it. And yeah. we got the theme. Here it is. See, like, okay, from from the beginning, this is just an easy listen. I mean, it it's is, yeah. it's super. It okay. <laughs> I looked on um, uh, on rate your music to see the descriptors of it, and we'll probably talk about this. Um, and it it, call, it it categorizes this as cool jazz. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure what that is, but yeah, this well, is pretty cool. Yeah, I think cool has a certain degree of laid back vibe to it. Yeah, uh, you know, this is again 1959. Uh, we've had the sort of upheaval, I guess we could say, that was sort of the the bebop era. That was just kind of crazy, largely improvisational, high energy, pretty fast paced. And here was something that kind of came along to. I guess open up sort of a new era, I guess you could yeah. say, in jazz music. Um, but know, I th- th- There's a lot of talk about like the technical innovation of this record. Yeah. It's a modal album, and then that is different somehow than everything that had come before. Look, you know, Glenn just said we're both kind of fancy ourselves musicians, and I- I've tried to sort of figure out over and over again what exactly modal is, and... It, yeah, it, it, it's hard it, to wrap it's essentially the idea that it's not around a, a typical like chord progression right. as so much you know jazz and blues based jazz and things like that had been before. But but it's just simply a vibe. This yeah. record just has a chill and a vibe to it that is really really. I won't say singular, only because so many of other so many other people have tried to pick up on that same vibe, right. and some, you know, kind of come close here and there, in, in in you know like fleeting moments. Sure, but this record just sustains an absolute vibe. And here's throughout it. and here's the other element to that is that just knowing the story and knowing like what modal jazz is, the fact that this is. Improvise the fact that these what six this is a sextet right yeah the the group shifts a little bit only because um, Cannibal Adderley plays on well I, I guess he plays on four of the 
five tracks. So there's the six guys that get into a room and they kind of have a sketch. They kind of have like some ideas of like a, a guideline. And then this is, this is essentially one take. Like mind blowing that these musicians just show up and here, this is kind of our framework. This is our outline. Hit record, go. And this is the moment that's captured. And, you know, this isn't the first time somebody's done this. This is, you know, Davis Miles has, himself has done this on, on a couple other albums before this. But, like, this taps into a vibe, just this specific session. Um, that's pretty magical. And it's yeah. super accessible, too. It's, like, yeah. mind-blowing and, and intellectual and chill. Yeah, one of the things to kind of talk about with our, our again, novice listeners is so many of the great albums of, of the jazz canon are just a documentation of a session, mm-hmm. right? This was captured in a single session, sometimes, you know, just a matter of a few hours. Mm-hmm. And there's some degree of, you know, certainly some planning, some intentionality of who were yep. the players going to be on this and, and all of that. But essentially, you know, so many of the great jazz albums are, here's you know, a five or six hour recording session and this is what they captured. And and the great ones just have this vibe, this yeah. lightning in a bottle where you capture the right group of people mm-hmm. at the right moment with the right just sort of, again, feeling and mood and, and vibe in the air. And this record is it's just special. And, and describing why it is is kind of hard. Yeah. I, I think just because... There's been the whole scholarly approach. There's like entire books that have been read about it. Right. Like this album's innovations. But it, when it comes down to it, it's just a simply perfect you know, piece of music. It, it's just one record. It's, it, it's sublime. Yeah. And, and also it has, it has enough of the hooks. It has enough of, of those recognizable patterns or, or that those themes that you come back to that you can latch onto that some, some other, you know, free jazz or modal jazz as we'll talk about more that, that can be more challenging Mm -hmm. for a beginner, but there's so much melody in here that, um, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of hard to miss. And can we talk about the all-star cast? Yeah. Oh, you got to, I mean, I already, (laughs) I mean, obviously Miles Davis, uh, is, Sort of a big deal in, in jazz of. music. Already, you know, kind of offhandedly mentioned Canner, Cannonball Adderley, who plays on this track, and, and three of the others. And, who else do we got here? I mean, Coltrane, like, Gone is... Gone freaking Coltrane. Is mind-blowing. And and we'll talk about Coltrane maybe a little bit more. I think we um, have to, yeah. You could, like, honestly, even just those three, Miles Davis, Cannonball Adderley, Coltrane, just their output alone, their discography sure. alone can keep you busy. Like, <laughs> well, I, and then say nothing of the fact that Bill Evans plays piano on four of these songs. Right. But you, you already mentioned a minute ago Scott LaFaro, who was the uh, the great, great Dude. bassist in uh, Bill Evans' group. One um, of my all-time favorites, Waltz for Debbie, oh, it, yeah. that recording, oh, that song Bill Evans so and LaFaro, oh my goodness. Song. Um, yeah. And, you know, those other guys are fine, too, I guess. You know, you got Wynton <laughs> Kelly, who plays piano on one track. You got Paul Chambers uh, as the bassist throughout the record. Uh, Jimmy Cobb on drums. And Paul Chambers pops up, like, like <laughs> time and time again on oh, yeah. some of these quintessential albums. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it's basically a, a virtual who's who, like, all-star mm-hmm. band. And so, um, and that's the thing, like, Miles Davis, too, one of the things that's so brilliant about him is that 
um, just as a band leader, as just a creative force, you know, here, here's the, and that's the other thing about some of these albums that, uh, you know, we can't do it justice. You go out there, Google, if you want to learn more about this specific album, and you can do that with all of these. I mean, you could talk for, there are not books have been written, uh, volumes and volumes have been written about each of these albums we're going to talk about briefly. Um, but like, you know, you can go back and see kind of the progression that Miles Davis has come through, even just to get to this point that that became super commercially accessible and successful. You know, he, here he is, like the the story of him discovering this even like, you know, he he's he's in Paris soundtracking a, a, a movie and basically they can't wrap their head around the lining up the 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 arc. So he stands in front of the screen plays the film and improvises the soundtrack of the film and he with a with a random backing band is this the uh ascensure yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 i don't even expect me to say i'm not gonna speak french it. but that's a great great album too. great great that, soundtrack that's, that's in 201 i guess and but. it's base and it's basically this this backing band um, that, that David Miles Davis meets in Paris and they have a couple of, you know, rehearsal sessions together. And he just says, you know, just here, play this, let me go. Mm-hmm. And he, and he improvises. And then he's like, what would happen if I brought like my musicians together and we gelled and I gave them this yeah. opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what this album is. This yeah. is them coming together in a session and creating a framework for each other and giving each other space to go and it's amazing how harmonious mm-hmm. that comes together when it shouldn't. It should be a train wreck. You don't you're gonna get some musicians together without music and just play with no direction. That should be chaos. And oftentimes it is. Well, yeah, and there were people doing exactly that at the time. People like Ornette Coleman who did, you know, free right. jazz right around the same time, a little bit little bit after, like a year mm-hmm. after. But yeah. But no, that idea of improvisation in an accessible manner. This is a record that, you know, jazz experts have, again, dug into to talk about all of the technical you know, innovation to it. But at the end of the day, it's just a, a perfectly accessible yeah, listening experience. Can, so much, in fact, that it just, and this might sound you know bad, but it has that ability to just fade into the background. This is a record that works on, on multiple levels. Yeah. You can dive into it and pay intense, close attention to it and be wowed by the the just expertise musicianship of this all-star cast. Or you can just let it sort of wash over you and become this this yeah. feel. Kind of cerebral kinda, vibe. Yeah, yeah, where the songs kind of melt together mm-hmm. and it just becomes this you know thing that's only interrupted by having to flip the record. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there, there are a couple different ways to approach this record, but whatever angle you come at it from it's just a classic there are a few records in the history of recorded and just recorded music that are more universally beloved like i don't know of a single person whose opinion matters that, that doesn't think this is just a fantastic yeah right you can't yeah fantastic there's no denying this yeah it's just so good okay so this is this is one on one and and i started this whole you know approach of this thinking okay if this is everybody's given 101 can we yeah, can not, we go beyond this yeah not only is it the 101 but it's the textbook it is it's right. the basis of of 101 essentially so now if we're going to go if we're going to go 200 300 400 or or, well, no, or no, even let's not go that far level. we're yeah, going to stick yeah. with the 100 but i'm just saying like 
you know, you can take this. This is a great starting point for Miles Davis. This is where you would start. You know, it, you there's the the discography of Miles Davis is so varied. The dude like changed music yeah. like a half dozen times. Oh, Just like well, it's like all right. So I, I heard an anecdote that somebody said. Maybe they wrote it on Rate Your Music. I, I don't remember exactly where I heard this, but somebody was writing or talking about taking a jazz studies course uh-huh. and they get to like the mid 1950s or whatever, after having talked about, you know, all of the really important stuff that had come before, you know, Ellington and Armstrong, Count right. Basie, all of that. And so they get to the mid fifties and the professor's like, all right, so now we're just going to basically see what Miles Davis did over the course of the next 40 years, because every direction the jazz yeah. went into, he, he was the was guy the one like at the Vanguard at the forefront <laughs> of here's everything that's going to happen now. So whether it's again, this cool jazz approach or, you know, the fusion thing that was going right, on, right. really minimalistic, like heavy, um, like funk kind of stuff that right. he does in the mid does in the uh, mid to late seventies, F- just a, an innovator stuff, yeah. to, to like, yeah. So, so, you know, at the, again, at the center of what jazz was for basically half a century. Well, since we're swapping anecdotes along the same lines, my favorite one is, uh, is Miles Davis is invited to the white house and he's at a dinner and someone kind of like lifts their nose to him. Um, like when, you, when was this, by the way, which, which president invited? I don't know. I don't know. It was an anecdote I read somewhere. You know, the history teacher in me must know. This, I don't know. Go ahead. We'll find, find it out. We'll look it up. Uh, but like somebody at the table's like, what are you doing here? Like, how do you, you know, what, what are you? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's, he's like, man, I changed, I changed music five or six times. What did you do other than being white? <laughs> to get well, here. Yeah. And it's like, he's, he's like, he, it's almost like he knows it too. Like he is. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was a very self-aware individual. So yes, this was actually, uh, I'm looking this up. I don't know if it's true. In fact, the very first thing that comes up is Snopes. Oh, well, probably whatever. <laughs> and it says false, but he, ah, whatever. It, it makes sense. It's, it fits. <laughs> no, it fits here, here, the, here you go. Here you go. You want the vibe. it? You got it. It's a right. See, Glenn, this is, you need the details. Oh. 1987, Miles Davis goes to the White House. So okay. Ronald Reagan was president. It's alleged that Nancy <laughs> Reagan turns to him and says, asked what he had done in order to merit the invitation. Straight face, Davis replies, well, I've changed the course of music five or six times. What have you done except fuck the president? <laughs> oh, that's even better. Oh. However, Snopes <laughs> rates this as false. False. Okay. Yeah. But still... The, the, uh, the, the idea that Miles Davis is invited to the Reagan White House is just weird. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, I mean, the sentiment if you is there. Talk you get the idea. Singular yeah. figures in American important in, in American culture, not just American music. I can think of very, very few that are more important than Miles Davis. And, I mean, in the world of music, I, I mean, there isn't. There isn't. And, and I, I would even... I, there's part of me that wants to say Duke Ellington, again, staying on jazz. There's part of me who just, you know, wants to say Bob Dylan because of his effect on the written word in, in pop music. But Miles R- Davis... Right, I mean, right. but when this, you... This guy's a titanic if you're to figure say, on it, the shortest of short lists of the most important American artists ever in any medium period. And, and see, that's the other thing. If you're going to say, what is the one folk album... You can't really do that. If you were to say, what is the one rock album? 
you, you, I mean, you could probably point to Bob Dylan, but then sure. you got to talk about Woody Guthrie and yeah, you got to yeah. talk about Pete Seeger and, or whatever. Uh, rock, you got to. There's you know, Beatles and all, yeah. uh, Rolling Stones and all of everyone. That, that Brian Wilson guy. Uh huh. Yeah. But like, if you say jazz and you just say yeah. kind yeah. of blue, this is where that, start. Like that, everybody starts here, and and it's for good reason. Okay. This is such a great record. Miles Davis is great. He probably has like eight or nine or you know forty records that should be at the one hundred level of a jazz curriculum. We haven't talked about Sketches of Spain or In a Silent Way or yeah. any of the uh, the great quintet albums or Bitches Brew well, or On they, the Corner or Tribute to Jack Johnson right. or so for sure. And, just and like this when guy's you say, catalog, and when you say that these are one hundred and one though, and I think here's the other here's the other piece. This idea of a 101 is also that entry level because like you can't, you can't, you can sit down with this album and appreciate it on the first Correct. listen. Exactly. You can't do that with Bitches Brew. No. Or, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say so. Hey, you know what? You just want to get into jazz. Well, listen to <laughs> Get Up With It by right? Miles yeah, Davis. No, like, that's going to take like nine or 10 listens yeah, like of which, dedicated you know, set, set a few weeks aside with reading that, yeah. with like, you're going to have to do some research to go with it. But like this one, you can enjoy on the first. If listen. you're not swept up in the first minute right. of this, then maybe jazz just isn't for you. Like <laughs> well, really like, although, could, could you almost go that far? Uh, right? You could almost go that far. Although I would say, although I would say if you listen, if you listen to this and you're like, mm, um, here's here's another piece though. Maybe you should go to like Sketches of Spain or like mm-hmm. Porgy and Bess because that might that might be another uh, another inroad. It gives it's another Miles album that has orchestration around sure. it. And maybe if like this sparseness of a sextet is like too jarring, maybe you need a little bit more of a full sound. And the stuff he's done with Gil Evans, I thought I think mm-hmm. can do some of that entry ish yeah. as well. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we we mentioned we mentioned um, we mentioned Mingus. We're gonna have to take a break and come back, and we we need to bring Mingus into this conversation. All right. Back on the Strange Currencies podcast, and we are going through Jazz 101. So uh, on this, Glenn, we decided that we were going to kind of largely stick within the, I don't know what somebody might call the golden age of jazz, Mm -hmm. I suppose. We're looking mid-50s to mid-60s, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this was kind of partially just, well, where are the 101 records? Thinking about it as like an album-based sort of a conversation. Right, yeah, yeah. And I think part of it was also just, uh, I, don't, I don't know, it's just sort of natural, I think, that we get drawn to this era. Yeah. And, and my thinking on this was, there's stuff beforehand, right? right. I and mean, we, you know, we've already, you know, well, quickly one-off mentioned, yeah. uh, you know, Louis Armstrong and Duke mm-hmm. Ellington. Pioneers. Yeah. Titanic figures mm-hmm. in, in not only jazz, but just period, American culture period. Yeah. Count Basie, Count Basie, right? Billy Holiday, mm-hmm. uh, Ella Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. I mean, we just keep going on and on and on and on about all of this great stuff that came before. 
But to me, that takes us back into like the black and white era. Hmm. I, I'd make the comparison. So like if we're talking, hey, we want to get somebody into, you know, rock music. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's, you know, lived in a cave for the last 700 years sure. or whatever. I'm not going to start him with Elvis. Right. I'm not going to start him with Chuck Berry. I'm not going to start him with Big Mama Thornton. I'm going to say, got to hear the Beatles. Right. Got to hear the Who. Got to hear the Kinks. Right. You know, the Clash. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm going to pick things that go beyond the the earlier, the beginnings. More, the beginnings yeah. Yes. Right, right, right. Um, I feel like this time period that we're talking about is where jazz music steps out of the black and white and enters into its color phase. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like in the 60s is when pop music steps out of the black and white era and mm-hmm. enters into its color phase. Yeah, totally. So It's that Wizard of Oz scene yeah, with Technicolor. Exactly. Right. So we don't want to discount all of the great, no, great uh-uh. stuff that came before. But if somebody were listening to it and say, you know what, I want to get into jazz, and I say, well, you know, Louis Armstrong's Hot Fives and Sevens recordings, get that. <laughs> yeah, right now, huh? They might love it. Sure, in fact, they, sure they, could. there's a good chance yeah. that they'd really like it, but it would also sound very, very old-fashioned. Yes. Like antiquated. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Whereas the stuff that we've we've picked, our, our five albums that we're really deliberate about choosing, I think have enough modernity to them. Okay. Even though they're 60 years old. old, Yeah. Even though they're really old, they're still of that Mm -hmm. era where the age doesn't so much matter. It's just like, this is, yeah, I don't have to work around the way that it sounds, the recording. Yeah. Right. 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 Like not a raspiness. Same way that if you were saying to somebody, yeah, listen to Sergeant Pepper, they're not going to say, Oh, that's so dated. Cause there's still just that really vibrant nature to it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we're kind of doing with these records. For sure. So my thought was, all right, well, what can kind of bring them at least into a degree of familiarity with that great stuff that came before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought of what is the album that is basically (laughs) a a record that people much, much, you know, more qualified than I (laughs) have referred to as basically like a tour through the history of jazz up to this point. Right. And that is Charles Mingus's... Uh, um, uh, um, mm. This record is basically like, all right, you got a 35-year history of jazz, and here's your tour guide through it. This wild, manic, singular talent who's... And, and, And there are hints, there are callbacks. Yeah. And it is also, at the same time, fresh and mm-hmm. like innovative yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah. so mingus uh, um 1959 same year, same year as uh as kind of blue which we just talked about in a very different kind of vibe throughout but a record that does again very much harken back to that history of jazz uh i mean there's open letter to duke which is a tribute to duke ellington you've yeah. got jelly roll which is a tribute of course to jelly roll morton um allegedly the first person to ever write down jazz um, and a you know great artist in his own right. You've got bird calls, so you know reference to Charlie Parker. Um, yeah, I, I, so you got that. A good pie hat is Lester Young. Lester Young, yeah, yep, exactly. So this is kind of that. All right, here's a little bit of this that. This is tour. where we've come from. This is this is where we're coming and where right. we're going. Exactly. Um, um, a little little corrections already. What? Um, apparently. Um, 
Mingus denies that Bird Calls is a reference to Charlie Parker. Well. Apparently he's he's referencing he was trying to get birds. Like, interesting. Like actual, the opening of Bird Call. He also did have a, a song that was called, what, uh, if Charlie Parker were a gunslinger, there'd be a lot of dead cats by now, or dead <laughs> copycats by now, or something like that. But, yeah. but okay. clearly, clearly a fan of Parker. But, but yeah. let's say, let's say, and though, them, yeah. you know, if Charlie Parker, you know, the bird, Charlie Parker, is kind of that uh, father of maybe Bebop, of Bop, this, even just this, this fusion of blues and uh, as we're coming from that. Oh, sorry. Just cracking open another cold, uh, delicious Breakside mm, Wonder that's Jack cool. here. That's cool. uh, hey, uh, what are you drinking over there, Glenn? Um, I, uh, you ran out of the Wonder Jack. So I did. I, yeah, I got the last one. I have... <laughs> I, I got I got stuck with a frame. Oh, stuck with. <laughs> hey, frame. Did you hear that? Where's those shirts? Yeah, huh? where are those shirts? Yeah. Um, yeah, but 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 Mingus here. We we referenced uh, the you know these cool jazz, modal jazz, mm-hmm. um, bop, post bop, hard bop. I I kind of um, I mean I was tempted even. You're talking about the golden age. I almost feel like there there are elements right in here of of. I, I mean, I think this this album is, speaks to several of those. I mean, there's elements of of uh, post bop and bop here, mm-hmm. um, and hard bop, which essentially is essentially is bop or. Um, this movement away from like chords or like a chorus and, Mm -hmm. and more into a, um, high energy improvisational, improvisational, but with soul. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, listen, I mean, high energy improvisation around a framework with heart, with a little bit of edginess, a little bit of funk, a little bit of, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of an element of danger there's in Mingus's music. There's like, something about it's Mingus about to go off the rails. And this too is a party. Like this yeah. is like, um, one of the things I love about this first track too is it's awesome. It, it is awesome. It's also like, it's like there's voices, and mm-hmm. there are literal voices. Like you can hear them having a fun, yeah, a good oh, yeah. time. There's ah! like. Right, oh, yeah. Mingus but, always but, calling out instructions. But all of the all of the different voicings of the trumpets and the the horns and the, the they sound like voices. Like the, they're almost like mimicking that human element, and it feels very human. It feels like we're at a party. It feels like we're you know uh, cruising through the neighborhood. Yeah. There's an electricity to Mingus's yeah. music that is even in the ballads. There's just this vibrant, again, electricity to it. Um, Mingus was just, I mean, a monster bassist. Yeah, just a, a phenomenal talent as a musician. But 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 really, he was the composer. Like that was the just, thing. Though. Yeah, but but yeah, that when playing the bass wasn't even his greatest right, skill. Right, it was composition. It was assembling an amazing band. It was being the leader at the center of this storm that is just fully raging. Like one of the things that I I love about all Mingus stuff is Danny Richmond, his drummer. And I I liken the 
background of Danny Richmond to like a pot of water that's just always boiling. There's huh. just always that kind of bubbling tension and and just there it is right there. Yep. Yeah. See, you see how water boiling, right? Uh huh. Totally. And there's okay. just always just that constant all yeah. over the place. It's not that, you know, he's not going to wow you like maybe the drummer on another record that we're going to talk about who's just like, whoa, mm-hmm. where the hell did this come from? But there's just always that activity that that just, but super fluid and, and super lyrical. I, I don't know, just great. These, these records are so good. So here, here's the other thing that I want to, if we're talking about 101 and we're talking to people who have, are used to pop songs where we need an instru- we need a voice, we need a, a, a lyrical content, we need like a melody to drive. There's elements of that here. There are, there are those themes you that come through. You can this and you can whistle the tune. You can. And, and, um, but... I think the the beauty in understanding or capturing um, jazz or something that's helped me kind of like latch on to some of these songs that maybe if I'm used to grabbing on to a, a vocal or a, a, a lyric um, is just like you're talking about is capturing that that emotion, that feeling like of bubbling water, of boiling water. Like if you can attach that to this listening, you kind of can immerse yourself in it and kind of feel like you're there. Like, I I mean, when I listen to this, typically I'm listening for a hook if I'm listening to pop music and I'm listening for a melody, but here I kind of am able to sit and soak the party in and just Mm -hmm. like feel it. I don't, I don't need to wait for necessarily for a melody to come. I can feel that boiling of the drum and just allow it to be. Yeah. There's just a vibe and, and you can take it as a, as a whole, as it was intended, or you can hone in on single pieces and just be like really, really impressed with, man, right now that trombone's just doing it for me, you mm-hmm. know? And so with these, uh, these jazz records, you know, there's a lot of different ways to approach them. And, and we, I don't know, we just talked about, uh, you know, kind of blue, which is a record that, and this, again, it feels weird saying it, but it's an album that you can let kind of just fade in the mm-hmm. background mm-hmm. of what you're doing. Yeah. I think Mingus is harder to do that way. Okay. There's a, there's an activity to it. Sure. But I Although think. Although there are ballads. I mean, the very next song after the one that we just listened to, uh, Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, is just one of these supreme vibe songs. Sure. And I think even that, even that opening track is kind of a party tune. Like you sure. could almost have that on as a, at a party. Yeah. Not all Mingus's music. You can do that. Like try doing that to black Saint and a sinner uh, lady. See now I wasn't <laughs> even going to say those words, but here we are. We're talking one Oh one and we're not even discussing Mingus's best album. Like the man has an album that's even better than this 10 out of 10. Whenever we eventually review it, by the way, it will be a straight 10. And it's not even his best. Okay, but see that one is is I think it, it's it's got more challenge to it. Sure, oh, absolutely. And it does. so that's why I wouldn't it's, call it a one one. Fucking haunted. It is, and it's you can't amazing. And by the way, all right, if you listen to Mingus Um and you're like, this this shit's cool, then run as fast as you can <laughs> to Black Saint and Center Lady. Or, 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 Black Saint and Center Lady. It is look. Today, we are not talking about the best we're jazz not. album of all time. We're not. In, in my mind, we're talking about five amazing, great albums. 
The black, the black saint, the sinner lady. <laughs> it's, good God, what a piece of music! It is good. That but, is. but again, as as an example, you cannot have that on in the background. Black saint, the sinner lady. Oh, no, you, it, no, it grabs you yeah. by your throat. Yeah. This album, though, I think has um, it has an accessible element to it. Mm-hmm. But then there's also like you can dig. You have to like focus and concentrate and dig. Um, with some with some of these two hundred level course three hundred yeah. level four hundred level but courses, whereas these ones, whereas this one this one is open, but but Mingus like gives you a he throws breadcrumbs like oh, yeah. Yeah. even just like the 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 titles of them mm-hmm. you know the open letter to Duke is like hey here's what I'm telling you this is my tribute to to Duke Ellington mm-hmm. and 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 you can see the journey and the honor the heritage yeah. that's coming from here or, or uh, fables of Thalbus, okay. one of the great tell offs of all time and there's not even at least in this version any uh-huh. words but you know exactly i'm playing this clowny carnivalist music this is for or- orville Thalbus, uh, this dude's a moron Arkansas. exactly yes and uh but there is here, There's can we an play expressiveness it? Expressiveness of this record. Can yeah, we play it? Play that that fables of Fabus sure. is one of my favorites. And and like you you listen to this and you don't need the lyrics, nope. you, but you know, okay. There's some absurdity here. There's some oh, yeah. like foolishness, some ridiculousness, mm-hmm. and there's some dissonance. And you, you kind of get a you know kind of a clownish nature haunting around here and then when you when you look into it and you discover okay he's he's just blasting the governor of of arkansas and his practices with segregation at the time and this is a very political piece there's no words Mm-hmm. Yet, if you know the there depth, is a there is a lyrical. Well, there are yeah, there are yeah. right. It was so what like a year later um, in yeah he had to release it on an independent label. Um, <laughs> so this was his. I think this might have been his debut. Yeah, it was his debut for Columbia, and I think he wanted to put a lyrical version of Thalbus on this record, but. That wasn't gonna fly on Columbia Records. Right, Mingus presents Mingus. It's on. So Mingus Charles Mingus presents right. Charles Mingus. Yeah, which comes out. On, I think you're right. 1960 on, on Candid, I believe was. The right, 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 right. And um, that actually has like lyrics with yeah, it. Yeah, and so, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to, hey, hey, maybe there, there you go. If you need, if you need lyrics to to latch on to something. Oh, yeah. But that's the other thing. Like you don't, you don't need that. No, He's saying it, it, it so still much has here. That yeah, it still is kind of getting its point across of just the absurdity and yeah. It's a great record. Mingus, yep. Mingus might be my favorite okay. jazz figure. Um, yep. You know, I'll, I'll acknowledge the significance of Ellington and Davis and, and even Louis ahead of Charles Mingus, but I, right. I think Mingus is half well, of my heart. Well, uh, hey, and, not- and I mentioned this just as somebody who came to jazz from a like kind of rock perspective, for sure. Mm-hmm. And again, I mentioned earlier, you know, I'd heard these references to Mingus in, in both... You know, Radiohead uh, and, mm-hmm. and REM, and he seems to me to be kind of like, all right, if you're if you're a rock guy, then maybe maybe start with Mingus. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They, I, I think this is a good one because this one has a lot of so, this one has a lot of soul and yeah. a lot of like oomph to it. And, you a, know, a little if more you, variance you, than kind of blue. Yeah, maybe there's a little more. Um, there's the up and down, and there's there's sort of a. Yeah. A tug and pull to it that maybe isn't there with. Well, and again, this this is um, it's a little more hard bop. There are elements of that kind of funkiness that that soul here, whereas kind of blue is is more chill. Yeah. Um, but shoot, 
Both of them, 1959 tracks, hard to go wrong. Speaking of 1959. We got another one. We got another one. Like, that's how good this era is, even just this. 1959 is on the short list of great years of music just because of jazz and just because of, well, not exclusively because of the the three that we've picked from it. You're also, you know, the year that has, uh, what, uh, Ornette Coleman's. Right. uh, Yeah. uh, Shape of Jazz to come. Right. There's there's a few others as well too. But go but, go ahead. I'll let you introduce our next. Okay. One so so the the other one that is kind of one hundred and one uh, is the first jazz album to sell a million mm-hmm. copies, which is kind of mind blowing. But it's the Dave Brubeck Quartet. Timeout. Yeah. And now. See, here's the here's the interesting thing. Here we are. It's 1959. Music is changing. Uh, and, you know, Miles Davis is already even just a couple steps ahead, moving sure. out of hard pop even into this modal thing. And, you know, here's Mingus kind of leaving these breadcrumb trails of where we're coming and where we're going. And here's Brubeck that's also simultaneously pushing the limits mm-hmm. of of what's happening and this is the other really cool thing about this era you say golden age there's something about all of these artists are pushing each other they're like there's so much collaboration here and there's so much of these artists like feeding off of each other and learning from each other and speaking to each other there there's conversations going on and and here's dave brubeck you know he's traveling he's become he's He's pretty popular mm-hmm. already. Like he's he's there's a, he's got a name for himself, and he's what traveling in Eastern Europe um, on like as a jazz ambassador, like mm-hmm. um, kind of you know spreading Western you know uh, culture, right? And he comes across like this these street performers doing different time signatures mm-hmm. and. Um, and so this whole album is this concept of, okay, where jazz has been is traditionally in this kind of four, four, maybe sometimes some the mm. swing time or like a three, four, I'm going to just like blow it up a little bit and do some just bizarreness. And here's an album, just not a single time signature the same like mm-hmm. all of them let's just mess with this and and time out it's a little little on the nose yeah. but um all of these songs in just these weird time signatures and mm-hmm. so now we're playing with these rules and it's very intellectual music it's very like heady stuff and technical and yet it's totally accessible totally accessible it's totally yeah, beautiful I mean, again as you said the first jazz album sell for a million copies uh i uh yeah, I think this one is totally, totally fair to be within the the one on one conversation, and I think part of the reason for that is it's an album where you can actually identify the technicality of it. Yeah, in a sense, like again, yeah, you can point your finger to it. You can kind of say, "I'm a musician. This is why it's I, interesting. I love you know jazz, but I can't get into a long, detailed conversation with you about why." Kind of blue is the modal jazz, mm-hmm. like, but I can tell you a little bit of like, all right, here, see what they're doing here. You can count Rhythmically, that. Yeah. this is different. This is so, so yeah, it does kind of at least have that um, more 
ease into the experimental side without ever sacrificing any kind of uh, accessibility. Yeah, like, and, and I for think for a jazz <laughs> record to sell what it did, um, you know. Yeah, and and let's like, let's let's be honest too. Yeah. There's there's something about there's something about jazz that. You know, oh, I want to be cool. I want to be smart and intellectual, oh, and like sure, that's wanna, not where I thought you were going. Well, and, and I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna say, oh yeah, I'm I'm smart. I'm intellectual. I can yeah. listen to jazz. I and mean, you just we just ex- established that you just barely completed a remedial math class. So <laughs> fair, but like you can you feel like you're you're doing something that's challenging as you're listening to it, even though it's not really challenging. It, it, it's really not, but <laughs> but it can be again if you want to. It, it's like what angle do you want to approach this? great record from i thought you were going to say something along the lines of you know well yeah but w- what do we say about the fact that the first jazz record to sell a million copies was by a white a dude, white guy right right um and not miles davis and not charles mingus and not any of these other great figures that we've talked about and there it is Now, I will also say, though, that Brubeck in many ways, yes, this white guy in many ways pioneered um, desegregation. And he had an integrated group. It had an integrated group. Yeah, yeah. Was famously. Then um, again, so too had you know Benny Goodman twenty years sure, before, but still sure. no, no. I mean, and when those conversations legit, happened, like the guy he is, stood behind, and and yeah. like you know there's there are stories and stories of him on tour, and there's letters documenting, hey, you cannot come here um, unless you get rid of you know unless you have a white an all white band, yeah. and he declined it and he said no I am not this is my group and and you know famously like uh, wrote into contracts that you're still gonna pay me even if you won't let my integrated group play yeah, yeah. and would you know and so he, he's legit he, he's he is. certainly a, a great talent and yeah a really cool figure in in the music and this is a classic record it is I will say more so for me than any of the other probably records that we cover um, in our 101, this is an album that is dominated by not just one. I mean, what we just heard was was Take Five, which is an all timer, just one of the great. Songs. Not even not even written by by Brubeck. Correct. That was by uh, Paul Desmond, Desmond. Yeah, right. Who? Fun anecdote. Um, made probably made more money than Brubeck yeah. um, from yeah. the royalties of that song because mm-hmm. that one just gets. Is essentially becomes a standard. All timer, you know. All timer. Up, up until One of now, great songs ever. Up until now, a lot of what jazz was were these American songbooks, mm-hmm. and it was people then taking these tunes that people knew. And this was this is the movement from well, how can you listen to music with no lyrics? Yeah, it's yeah. just instruments. Well, okay, but if we're having these tunes that people recognize, then mm-hmm. you know that's acceptable. Well, now all of a sudden. Um, we've got an album of original songs. All, all of these, all by of the these. way. Yes, our 101 here, these are... All we're original not, compositions. Just, yeah, stomping through the great American songbook here. These right. are compositional Which, masterpieces. The irony well. is is that they've become the great American songbook. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. like, you know, Take 5 has been one of the, the yeah. most... Um, you know, beloved, beloved tunes. And so famously, um, you know, the Desmond is like a bachelor and had, and basically, um, dies and leaves his fortune in his will to the red cross. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, one of the, one of the reasons the red cross is like super indebted to this guy, <laughs> um, who's made, you know, astronomical 
dollars. Well, what I was going to say um, was to me, this is a record that seems to be dominated by a few great tracks, or to me, a couple of great tracks. Uh, Take five, again, an all timer. Blue Rondo on the Turk is awesome. Such a great opener. There's this video when Brubeck died, I don't know, six or seven years ago or whatever. I was like, ah, you know, I didn't have strange currencies Mm -hmm. yet. So I, you know, just post when great musicians Mm -hmm. die, like a video of them or something. And I found this video of. Brubeck's band playing Blue Rondo a la Turk when they're like on this flying magic carpet <laughs> and, and the special effects are so terrible. Oh. It's great. But that's a, that's an amazing track as well too. Just a, a, a great phenomenal one. album opener. Um, but to me, the rest of the record, while all of it is very good, it's just, man, those two songs are great and they everything are. else is, is Pretty good. Pretty good. Whereas the first two records that we discussed, those are vibe records. Every single song on them is fantastic. The next two records that we discussed, I think every song is great and, and just fit really well as an album. This one to me is like, man, those two songs are amazing. And everything else is good. Yeah. But well, but even why are those two songs but still, just great? The album tells a story. The yeah, album yeah. is it, like it's a classic. It's, it's a great a, album. And it and it's one of those tools of this movement. And I think that especially when it's couched in the 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 time, the year, the the way things are are mm-hmm. moving and the thought process of it. And this fight um, of desegregation, and that's part yeah. of what what the legacy and the story of jazz is to this con yeah. this conversation um is important so. yeah oh another great thing about this one is if you are a vinyl person if you collect uh the records as they say mm-hmm. uh, this is an easy one to find a, a good used copy of for a <laughs> decent price as well too in fact i was out at a couple of record stores today throwing out a shout out to jackpot and Ooh. uh and uh exiled oh, okay um, I saw a used copy of, of Time Out at both of them. Ooh. And I think 15 bucks was the high price. Ooh. Which, you know. Yeah. Not that's bad. Super I know both you and I both got <laughs> I got mine for even a Even cheaper buck. copies from a guy who knows nothing mm-hmm. about jazz or any kind of music and mm-hmm. runs a record store in a certain city, we'll mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. that is located within the state of Oregon Ugh, and terrible. is a fucking idiot <laughs> and knows nothing about jazz music. Um, or really anything like, you know, but hey, we, Glenn and we, I, di- we Glenn digress. I, Glenn it's and not I like might we're... have both got our copies of this record for less than five bucks because <laughs> the guy doesn't know anything. It's time. But... It's time to get a, it's time to get a, a nicer uh, copy of this. I yeah. Think I yeah. This, this is one of those records that you want to like, yeah, it's good. nice, clean. Yeah. Glenn is giving me the signal for time. I, I need another sip. So sip we're going to take a break. What do you got there? What are you drinking? Uh, free. Frank, where are those t-shirts at, eh? Hey, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we've got we've got two more two. essential 101s. can't have a 101 of jazz without you're not even welcoming people back you're just so quick to just jump right back into the conversation i mean 
I just want to. Hi, welcome back Hi, to the Strange back. Currencies podcast. They I'm Matt. Go, I'm Glenn. They didn't go anywhere. They were just listening to some royalty-free music mm-hmm. and di- dove right back in. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to figure this out. This isn't like when people are going and running to the refrigerator We're not going to have to figure this out. You're going to uh, have to figure fair, this out. Fair. All right. So how can you have a 101? We've mentioned, we, we started with Kind of Blue. We we just tackled 1959, just straight up Mingus, Brubeck, Miles Davis, and we can't have a 101, a solid a solid base without John Coltrane. You can't, and we won't. And perhaps, I I mean, what many will call their essential singular album, Love Supreme. Yeah. I mean, even just the the opener, it he's pl- the gong. Coltrane's playing all the notes, yeah. all of them. This record is really, really, and then, really good. Like really, really good. There it is. Just four notes. Just four notes. I, I, I literally have like a tear in my eye right now. This, this record is so good. <laughs> this, is, this is the best record we're talking about today in my mind. Uh, Even better than Kind of Blue. Mm-hmm. Kind of Blue is so good, but there's all... Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I keep... I'm still coming around. I'm still coming around on that. You might... Uh, I... Kind of Blue has a soft spot in my heart. Maybe maybe if I take a... Uh, I don't know, a personality test, maybe. Kind of Blue, but... This one has okay. If kind of blue is is chill, this one is transcendent. Transcendent. I don't know how you're gonna take this one. I think our, our both of our thoughts are a little different on the subject. But the second most recent comment on Rate Your Music about this album, which was just posted yesterday by Kier Todaro, says this album could kill God. Oh, wow. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, okay. I don't know what they mean, and at the same time, I kind of think I know what they mean. Yeah. This, this, there is something that is definitely, well, I mean, it's, it is spiritual. It, yeah. it is, it is transcendent. It's cerebral. It's like uh, otherworldly. There is... Okay, so even even this right now, somebody who's 101 is a pop listener might come in this, and even right now, like, what's happening? There's all kinds of, there's no melody, there's no, this isn't really melodic, it's like, in my left ear, there's this crazy... Where's all the twerking going? Saxophone going on, and there's this random beating seemingly random it's like discordant things going on mm. and and where whereas i think kind of blue is a little bit more easily accessible and you can dive in on the first this one takes a little soaking this one takes a little bit of of you kind of loosening your i don't want to say loosening your consciousness but like there is a there is a sense of this one that you have to kind of sit back and allow it to take you over. 
first off, we haven't even said what this one is. This is Glenn. This is uh, remember. This is one hundred and one. Sorry, some of our listeners here are not okay. This is a love supreme. A love supreme by, by John Coltrane, Coltrane nineteen sixty-four, recorded, released, yeah, released in sixty-five. Um, this is John Coltrane's masterpiece. Um, Transcendent. Uh, the maybe greatest jazz album of all time. If the Black Saint and the Center Lady isn't a thing that exists, marker point. This is the. This is the the. The center, the the North Pole, if you will, of all things that that. Okay, so Coltrane, part of part of what you need to or part of what are the things that I have needed to help appreciate something when I don't know a ton about it is really just to 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 read a little bit, learn a little bit, try and get a little bit of context. Yeah, this isn't a read out. This is a feel album. Though. It is. It is this, a feel album. This doesn't album, appeal but, to the intellectual. This but appeals I, to the spiritual. But what I'm saying is, is it helps if you understand his story. Sure. And I think if you understand his story, I think that is one of the ways in. One of the, the ways to to appreciate where he's come from. And allow you to kind of get into the same space he's in. Because you're right. It's totally a feel. This is totally, you have to sit back and just allow this to be. And it's hard to say that because we're talking about this modal movement where there really isn't a form or a structure. There kind of is, but there isn't. And, and... And it comes there, and goes. It comes and goes. And there's there's these elements of this soupiness, chaotic world, but then it comes together. And and here's here's the thing. Coltrane has been this um genius. He's this singular talent. Mm-hmm. And Miles Davis has utilized him as a side man. He's mm-hmm. come up through, he's kind of learned and, and grown, and literally is fired from Miles Davis's quartet, quintet, sextet group. Yeah. Right? Because he's too hard on the heroin and the alcohol. Out of control, and that's saying something. If because Miles if, Davis, yeah, Miles Davis kicks you. If out Miles Davis days. kicks you out, you know it's bad because that guy is out there, and and so it's gotten so bad that this is where he's come from. This is like the the background. Well, that's like way background because right. like right. then because you're like, all right, so he kicks him out. And then in 1961 alone, Coltrane releases my favorite things, Africa Braz and Olay Coltrane, which are three of the greatest jazz yes. albums of all time. Yes. And um, but what I'm saying is, is he's now he's looking back on that those moments on those those days when he's kind of maybe not rock bottom, but like. He's he started his journey. And I think this is a fulcrum point. This is a point where he's looking back and acknowledging. Uh, see what I did there? Yeah. He's acknowledging where he's come from. He is his recognizing, man, I was at a low point and look at how I've come out of that. And I think he's he approaches this this work, 
this piece as a spiritual acknowledging of his growth, of his deliverance, salvation, his like, I don't know. I think he's coming to, he's coming to this spiritual place where he's like recognizing that he's thankful, that he's grateful for where he's come from. And he's tapping into that kind of cerebral place. And here's the spiritual thing that, that, that gets me about music. I don't know that we've talked about this a ton, but just there's something about music that transcends, that is beyond, that there's something mystical about it. And that's what Coltrane's tapping into sure. with this album. Are you done? I could keep going. Well, uh, yeah, sure. you did too. Like I you did. really drove right. that conversation for I mean, a very long time. Can, just, I, can I speak, yeah, Glenn? Fine, fine. Okay. Speak. speak. First, first off, I'm wondering, okay, so if Rate Your Music tells me that uh, my friends give this a 4.78 from 9 ratings, which tells me what friends do I need to drop? <laughs> because this is, you know, in the innermost of circles. Uh, but this this record's fantastic and, and, and just amazing and here's the thing so this is the first jazz album i ever bought oh really so um you know like i said i I got that burned copy of of kind of blue um i i eventually when i really decided i'm gonna get into an an artist it was it was mingus just because again there were all those reference points Mm -hmm. but this record to me um recommended by a a friend of the show um trevor who's a Mm -hmm. um participant in our uh, in our in the wilderness mm-hmm. chats and 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 somebody who uh, who really helped get me into jazz, even though he was probably maybe a step ahead where I was at the time, and and he was listening to this record and said, "Man, love Supreme, you got to listen to this. This is amazing stuff." So I went out on his recommendation and bought this album, and was just blown away. Uh, I mean, first listen, just first blown listen, okay, away. okay. See, I, I think this one takes multiple listens. But I, I think it sure. can, but so here's the thing. For me, what really, really stood out about A Love Supreme is from the very first listen, I could describe why I liked it hmm. in ways that were not foreign to me, in the way like I could describe it in the same kind of language mm-hmm. of rock music that I liked. Okay. There was an aggressiveness. There mm-hmm. was an intensity. Mm-hmm. Um a word that I would use to describe this album, actually, even though it is this spiritual uh, thing, it's violent. Like mm. this is a record that just mm-hmm. just thrashes at points, and the the drumming, for instance, Ooh, yeah. on this album, Elvin Jones is just out yeah, of his he's... mind. Um, it's such an intense record. You can't help like this is not background listening. No, this is not like kind of blue where it can just sort of fade in right. into the background right. of whatever you're doing. This is a record that demands your attention. It does. And at first, sure, it starts off like kind of this. There's a little bit of a cacophonous feel to it, but this this is a record that at its peak becomes very very intense, and you get that passion and, and spirituality that that just can't help but. Um, I don't know, transfer from, from artist to listener. And yeah, yeah. it's just such an intensely, but well, intense, but also just beautiful piece of music. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that somebody 
coming from a rock perspective, they either start here or over the Mingus record. Maybe more than kind of blue, just because I think some of that language if, is there. If you are if you are of the mind to sit down with an album and experience it as a work. Yes. And I think some of our listeners probably are at that point where they can appreciate an album. Sure. If 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 you're not if you're kind of more if of a singles a song, or you need sure. a song to hook onto, you might do better with with kind of blue. Sure. Um but if if you can sit down with this and take a couch or lay on the floor and look at the ceiling and put the headphones in and just let this wash over you. There are moments when you can kind of get lost in it and like there's all kinds of chaos going, but then there's a, there's a time when it just hits you and it yeah. feels. And, and if, I, if you want to be wowed, I would say yeah, this is the, yeah, yeah, this, of the five that we're picking. It has a, it has a roller coaster high. Yes. Whereas kind of blue just sort of creates cruises, a vibe and, and jungle stays cruises. there. <laughs> That was weird. That was a Disney, <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. As opposed but to the if, if you coaster. want to be wowed, if you want that roller coaster sure. rather than the Jungle Cruise, uh-huh, you know, right. then this is the roller coaster. This yeah. is the album that is going to to raise your uh, heartbeat a little bit at, at points. It's so good. It, it's just a fantastic record. I don't want to spend too much more time because we're running long already. Yeah, we are. Here. We are. We are. But uh, if you are into this record. Okay, and we are going to talk very quickly about extensions here. If you want to go to 102 or 201 even, um, if you like this one, Pharaoh Sanders' Karma um, is a great follow-up to this one, and and maybe even more so, Alice Coltrane's um, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great uh, Journey in Sanchendananda. I, I don't know how to okay. pronounce but Alice Coltrane, who was married to John Coltrane uh, in the later years of his life, um, also a fantastic... Fantastic jazz musician Artist, her own, yeah. in her own right. Um, well, and it's not like you can't like find other Coltrane albums. The guy, well, yeah, Coltrane himself has has a lot. Forty. I, I felt a little weird that we we pick five albums and none of them yeah. were by a woman. But jazz okay. is a really like I don't know historically male dominated field, even more yeah. so than pop music. But but Alice Coltrane is also in and of herself uh, just a fantastic yeah uh, figure in jazz. Maybe at the two hundred level, I suppose. But uh, but also worthy of checking out pretty yep. pretty early on in your study of jazz. All right, now now this is where we get this is where we get we've got one more. Um, we need to take a quick break so quick. I can tool up because this one might be a little maybe not controversial, but no, I think no. this is a solid. I I've come around that this is a solid number five on our one hundred and one. So let's take a break. We come back our last one hundred and one entry. Welcome back to Strange Currencies hey. Music Podcast. You welcome people back. I welcomed them back. Welcome back, Matt. Welcome back, Glenn. All right. Well, we we uh, 
we we just listened, we just talked about a love supreme, and we did not make a single mention of McCoy Tyner. We didn't, dude. The piano work on that last album, Philly's is... own McCoy Tyner. Um, now, when we talk about jazz pianists, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's where we needed to round out our top five. We need to look at okay, how who what's our intro course gonna be? What's our primer to jazz if we're gonna get people you know that that may not be delving into to jazz? Where can we get them started? And I think we made the correct pick in our number five. How can you not include Thelonious Monk? Yeah. And now you're making the argument that this was your idea. No, this is absolutely your idea because Mm -hmm. I was not super familiar even with this one. I I'm familiar with Thelonious Monk um, on the peripheries and more of I've, I'm more familiar with some of his standards that he's done. He's done, you know, a lot of, did a lot of work reinterpreting. And I kind of thought of Thelonious Monk as um, a jazz artist who would take the songbook and just explode it and and bring these innovative takes to it. Uh, but Brilliant Corners is mostly his compositions. Mm-hmm. And so this is Brilliant Corners. Yeah. Actually the earliest of our five. It Nin- is, yeah, by quite a bit. Um, that is correct. 57. Recorded in 56 in October. Recorded in 56, released in 57. Correct. Like two sessions in... Yep. Mm-hmm. See, okay, this blows my mind too. So many of these recordings, we mentioned Coltrane recorded 45 studio albums mm-hmm. over the course of 10 years. Yeah. That's... He recorded 45 albums and died at the age of 40, right? Absurd. Absurd. Like, and and much of what what jazz is is it's capturing a moment. It's Mm -hmm. capturing like a a performance, an exchange, a conversation, an 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 interplay. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think you get that in a lot of these performances. And part of why I think I've I came to jazz is because of the live element of it, of seeing musicians like communicate. And this one's kind of uh, an interesting, an interesting piece on that because uh, of these five, this one is the least live. Yeah, there are a couple <laughs> tracks that actually have overdubs on here, right? Right. Well, the, at least the one I know. Uh, what is it? Panonica. Um, like he plays both the Celeste and the piano. Yeah. As well. So that was the other one that I wasn't sure about. Yeah, he plays the Celesta, which is like a. It's almost like a glockenspiel with a Kinda, keyboard. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And it's, uh, I was kind of envisioning him playing it like Stevie Wonder with like the piano and the Celeste on top. I, I was kind of wondering, yeah, if he was doing both at the same time. Right. I, I don't know. So I, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So the, the track we're listening to here, this is title track, Brilliant the title Corners. track, Brilliant Corners, which essentially let's be honest, this is the recording. Mm-hmm. This is this album, is this track. It's obscenely intricate and difficult. And like famously so, that if just the structure of it, you know, we've talked about um, we've talked about the movements of hard bop or whatever that of this this um 
improvisation around your know, rejection of like chords of traditional um, structures. And this one has a structure to it, but it's very complex. It's mm-hmm. very complicated. And Thelonious Monk and C- Quartet, right? Uh, he is working with a little bit of a rotating cast here. Well, but, okay, so uh, but this first track quintet. though is is a quintet, right? Uh, he has, let's see. Oh yes, this this particular track he has himself on piano, um, Ernie Henry on alto, Sonny Rollins on pretty tenor. big guy, pretty big uh, <laughs> yeah. figure in his own right on uh, on tenor. Uh, on this track, it's Oscar Pettiford on, on bass, and then Max Roach on Max drums. Ro- so this is a quintet. Right. So this piece is super complex. Max it's Roach also kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Like this, this you're gonna have Max Roach and Sonny Rollins. In yeah. Your this is another all-star cast. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. And and here is this really complex um, piece that they have worked together. That is. Um, orchestrate. They're all speaking together. There is a there is a phrase. There is a, a motif here, very complex and intricate. And then and they play it through. And then they're like, "Eh, let's do it in double time." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "What the?" And they play the same thing in double time. And I imagine them climbing one side of the cube. They're climbing the side of the cube, and they get to the top. And they and and it's it's been this climb, and then all of a sudden they let go, and they move across the cube in double time, and then they hit the corner, as it were, and they're like, "Let's let somebody solo over this, over this motif," and so they play it again, and somebody improvises, and to think that you've got this this theme. And then you're interpreting that freely over top. It's mind blowing how intricate this is musically. And it's no surprise, you know, according to the lore, I think it was like 25 takes that they, they, they like were just, you don't just bang this one out. You don't bang this one out. This one's like super intricate. And, you know, they, they, they're, they're each soloing on over these passes and then they do it again. And so, Apparently, they get through 25 and they're like at each other's throats. And, you know, you can read about this and yeah. there's all kinds of, uh, of this. And, and finally, the, the producer um, basically says, OK, I think we have enough. I'll piece this together. And the final thing that we have, the final piece that we have is is kind of pieced together of those 25 mm. takes. And it is unbelievable. Brilliant. even Brilliant, as it were. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, for for me, I felt like we needed a monk just because if we're talking about the golden era, right? Yeah, mid fifties, yeah, yeah. mid sixties, monk is a you know central figure to that for sure. This to me is his best record. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna commit to that. Um, there's plenty yeah. of others that can can compete. But, you know, the reason why I felt like I really, really wanted a Monk one in here is that he is such a personality. Hmm. And his personality just cannot help but push its way into the music. Yeah. There is this very, idios- very idiosyncratic nature to everything Monk to where more than anybody else, I think, that we've talked about today where you hear it and you're like, yep, that's that guy. That's Monk. Mm-hmm. Just because he was this... 
singular genius who who just has a very very unique and identifiable sound about him. Yep. That I think is important in the 101 stage because you have a signature. You, you like to yeah. be able to yeah, like refer to here's why I like this or here's why this artist stands out to me. Mm-hmm. So what better thing to do than to pick somebody who just puts their own unique stamp on everything where you can identify them even as a beginner, even as a novice to jazz. You can hear that extremely percussive mm-hmm. piano playing of his. You can hear that that odd, you know, quirkiness of, of his sound. Yeah, there's um, like an angularity to it. Exactly. That's very there's just something that monk. is is yeah. not really able to be duplicated. Yeah. Not that any of these five albums that we've picked today are, are things that, you know, anybody could just, hey, I'll throw together a band and play, you know. Kind of blue, just for the hell of it. You're not going to do that. But this sound is so tied to its composer, to yeah. its to its band leader, that, uh, that it, it's just such a unique thing. And again, I think in getting into a music that is maybe not in your wheelhouse, you want that thing that you can, can latch on to as, here's why I like this. Yeah. This is a unique voice, something that is... It, it sort of separates itself from the pack. And Monk, Monk does that, absolutely. And I would even say that this this collection, this Brilliant Corners as a as a product is pretty like top to bottom. It, it has a lot to oh, it. Yeah, and there's something for everyone, I think, here. Yeah, it's, the thing about... Oh, go ahead. It, it, well, it's just that first track is very heady. There's mm-hmm. It's really like intricate and intense and impressive. But then like... Um, then you move to like the, the, I surrender deer and it's yeah, just so, solo piano, piece. solo piano. And it, and you get that felonious monk and mm-hmm. there's this, you know, he's just carrying it and it's, and it's him putting a stamp on, on a, on a standard, yeah. uh, you know, not a song that he wrote, but like, but then we also get this intricate, um, composition of his. And so you have this original too. And so there's a little bit of a take of all of them. And then there's like, there's history here. He's telling a story, you know, you've got the, you know, blues, uh, blue Boulevard Belooza, which is like this story of this, um, this hotel, this scene. Mm-hmm. And what was it? Panonica is the Baroness. Yes. Panonica um, is like the, the, uh, what, what is pa- she? Patron slash uh, patron yeah, of like of the blues, and yeah. so like this is a tribute to her with the Celesta, mm-hmm. and it's got yeah. I imagine she's like, ah, oh, you should try this, and <laughs> and and here they are hanging at the bol- out at the Boulevard Hotel where I guess she ha- she lives, yeah. And so they're like jamming there, and so this is like a tribute to that time and that collaboration, yeah. Well, and it's just again bookended by two tracks that are just so. Uniquely Monk. I mean, we've already, you know, discussed Brilliant Corners, the song, quite a bit. But Bemsha Swing is also just... This, so good. This great... Paul Chambers. ...rousing uh, track, exactly. Um, I feel like, I feel like too, that that I think um, maybe Thelonious Monk burned his bridges, like, with 25 takes of uh, Brilliant Corners, and he had to bring in Paul Chambers. i bring in a Chambers. couple of subs here, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I think, I think maybe I... Uh, yeah, you know, Monk, like all five of the artists that we're talking about um, today, Monk has so many great records. But this one, to me, like, one of the things about Monk is, like, he would re-record the same set of songs over and over and over again. And I'm not complaining about that. Like, he wrote a surprisingly 
small number of, of, of songs throughout his career, but he would approach those same songs in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether they were solo pieces or orchestral things that he did, but this is, is kind of a, a set of songs that are relatively unique to this record. Mm-hmm. Yes. He did play some of these elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he did go, you know, kind of come back to some of these. I surrender dear was, you know, as you mentioned, not one of mm-hmm. his own compositions, but he recorded that in you a know, hundred times. But this is a kind of capturing a particularly interesting moment in his development as an artist on a set of songs that you don't find everywhere like you do, you know, Ruby My Dear or, um, you know, Round About Midnight or some of his other, you know, masterpiece songs. Mm-hmm. So to me, this one really kind of stands out in a lot of ways as sort of his most signature record, if right. you will, in the sense that you can't replace it with pieces here and there of other albums. <laughs> And there's like, I mean, you've got that all star. There's like Max, Max Roach, Roach here. Is on, yeah, Dude, on Max Roach and, and, and Sonny Rollins. Uh, okay, can we talk about the timpani for a second? On sure. Bemsha Swing, he yeah. like Max Roach is like, I'm gonna like play timpani here. Is that on? Is he playing that all, while he's playing the drums? Uh, is that an overdub? Is that, that hip? To... Does he? Is he like turned around and he's playing timpani like a floor tom? I'm like, what in the world? And it's so like. That's the other thing is there's all of these like exper- there's this experimental element, mm-hmm. exploratory element of of jazz that I think is captured here. And that's part of the 101, I think, too, is there's this ex- exploration that that monk has that. Yeah. That plays with it. It's about finding that exploratory mode while still being wholly accessible. Yeah, right? totally. And, and, yep. and so that's why I, I think this one really fits as a good fifth pick for Agreed. us. I mean, there were a lot of other options. You know, we mentioned Sonny Rollins. Um, you know, you could have said Saxophone Colossus. Um, yeah. I'm, the, a, the, I'm a Horace Silver fan. Mm, song from my father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There were a lot of different ways we could have gone with that last pick, but it just, to me, seemed yeah. necessary I think this is the to, right put, pick. to put yeah. Monk in there. We're probably going to anger some people. I'm sure there's going to be some jazz the holes jazz out there holes, that are going to be like Thomas. But, you know, it is what it is. Here's our 101. There's five for you. We're, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll wrap this up. And put a nice little bow on it. Maybe tease a little bit of of where we're going to go from here. Podcast. We are wrapping up Jazz 101. Again, five records that we think uh, the newcomer, the, the jazz novice, might really enjoy starting with. Uh, again, just that, starting. We'll probably come back around and maybe do a 200 level, 300, 400 level. Maybe find some of these. I like the blue note idea, but we'll talk about some that maybe are a little bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that's one of the things about about music. Well, and we've alluded we, to some of those, too. And, and we, we are some. And we, we agree that Strange Currencies is about some of us who tend to be a little bit more obsessive. And we tend to, like, you know, dwell on things. And we might some actually, might say condescending. Maybe. Um, but Matt. 
Well, speaking of tra- strangecurrenciesmusic.com, uh, go check it out. There's some good features on there. We're, yeah, we're, we're Girl Group Month. Wrapping uh, up Girl our, Group our Month. Our features are a little light this month, but uh, we've kind of been taking this as a, an opportunity to prep for next month. We've Uh-oh. got an extravaganza. Extravaganza coming. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm ready to tell people what we got coming up next oh, month. But I've got some work to do, yeah. um, but it's exciting times. Yeah. That's good. But, uh, you know, hey, Strange Currencies. Uh, Music.com. Go check it out. Yeah. Lots of stuff out there. So, um, Freem? Freem? T-shirts? T-shirts, please. Six-pack? Um, Record money? Yeah, I, I would I would not not mind that. And Bre- Breakside and Barley Brown, too. Hey, this, this water jack is really good beer. I've had three of them tonight. Ooh, and, hey-o. Uh, hey-o. Uh, uh, Alright. Hey. Thanks for listening. I'm Glenn. I'm Matt. Later. Glenn. Hey-o. <laughs> <laughs>